Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to another special episode of the UK Film Review Podcast. We are talking about two different categories within the festival, best drama and best feature. And joining me tonight are two critics from UK Film Review and just general good chaps. Uh, We've got Brian Penn. Hi there. And we've got Corey Bullock. Hello. Uh, and this is Corey's first, um, well, he's debuting as on the podcast, so we're going to give him a rough ride. We've, uh, <laughs> we've taken away some of his internet, <laughs> and um, he's not allowed to use uh, IMDb. Uh, no, I'm joking. He's allowed to use whatever he needs, um, because we want this to be as factual and as uh, informative as possible. Uh, how are you tonight, gents? Brian, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Looking forward to this. Um, I think we've got a good section of films to discuss here, really. I think the standard's very high. It was, especially these categories. Uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about these films. Corey, did you enjoy the films? Uh, They were interesting. I enjoyed some. I have thoughts on others. I'm excited to get into it. Like, I didn't think any of them were um, bad. It's just just personal tastes and whatnot. Mm. But uh, um, I really enjoyed the festival this year. I watched uh, some of the shorts. I thought it was a great uh, collection. I wish I could have seen everything, but um, it was uh, just like last year, it was a <laughs> yeah. uh, just an awesome uh, weekend of, of of cinema to enjoy. So, uh, and, and oh. thank you for uh, uh, letting me uh, be on the podcast this time. Oh, our, our pleasure, our pleasure, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, thank you so much to you guys to judging um, and for some of these films also were reviewed over the year between you know the different critics at UK Film Review, so they've been doing the rounds a lot. But um, yeah, the weekend was great just to be able to sort of see them all in one place, and it was a lot. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So tonight we're talking about um, best drama and best feature. We're going to start with best drama because. Um, the features, I think, are the sort of you know the special ones, but they're all special, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with. Let me find my list. You know when you've got eight thousand tabs up. This is this is what's <laughs> happened to me now. I was all ready, and then I've just decided to mess up. Mm. So we're starting with. I'll never forget my high school friends, um, which is up for best drama, and it is a feature length film. Um, two directors on this one Samuel Asherov and Rather Rizvi and I will who am I going to pick on? I'm going to pick on Brian. Um, Brian can you give us the synopsis of this film for anyone that's not seen it? Yes, yeah, so I'll never forget my high school friends. It's basically uh, a tale of friends growing up uh, very likeable characters. Two key characters within the story keep video diaries Um It's high school friends marking the end of childhood and the beginning of their adult existence. And it centers around a a camp trip and 
revelations that become clearer as we go through in the film. But it is really a rites of passage story where people are just growing up and are not quite, it's the in-betweeners, for want of a better phrase. <laughs> uh, they're not quite adults, but they're, you know, they're, they're in between childhood and adulthood. And it's um, it's a very nicely played out story. I think the only real weakness for me, really, is that it took too long to get to the pivotal point in the storyline. And that was where Pauline and Ryan uh, got together mm. and altered the group dynamic and splinters um, occur. And inevitably, the, the, the group dynamic breaks up and they, they take sides. But a very nicely put together story, but I think it just took, I think pacing was an issue here. So it took too long to get to that pivotal point in the story and it spent too much time on the aftermath. But a very well-made film and yeah. very likeable characters and, and very true and very relatable, I think. Very interesting that you picked up on that because for me, I, I definitely felt the same that where you had this kind of um, almost like home footage um, approach to the filmmaking that because there isn't really a, a, a sturdy plot for a while that you do kind of think how much of this is just going to be just random clips of these guys yeah. just having fun like don't get yeah. me wrong I kind of was enjoying it but I was like is something going to suddenly well happen? that's pleasant enough but it but it was ve- it was very kind of insubstantial for for too long and your attention slips slightly because you think right there is something coming up here but you're not quite sure what, and it takes too long to get there. And as I say, it kind of weaken, weakens the um, the momentum in the storyline. Mm. So that's the only, only downside of it. But apart from that, it's very nicely told, and the sort of the, the jerky handheld cameras give it give it more of a spontaneous feel, and it does feel like a home movie, um, which is part of its charm, I think, really. Corey, what about you? What did you think of this one? I like um, I like this one. Um, more and more as it went on when it first kind of started it was a yeah. bit awkward for me because it's like the kind of like the the I thought the humor was very awkward the camera work was awkward but like, those are actually the things that, as it went on made it more real like mm-hmm. it really it really made the realism of what they were trying to do with the film uh, more palpable because it's like oh this actually does feel like uh, a bunch of kids leaving high school just being their awkward teenage selves in their the coming of age story of final summer, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, as this, as the, as the film went on, I kind of got more and more into the world. Like I, I understand like the pacing uh, criticisms and stuff like that. But um, for me, it's actually just like, as it kept going, it's like, I got more invested in it and mm. they had, like, but yeah, you are right, Brian. Like the, the best stuff really does kind of come much later. Like mm. I, the relationship between, um, was it Ryan and, uh, Pauline. Pauline, that's it. Pauline, yeah. Yeah. But like, there's a really great scene where the Tanner character, the best friend, like, uh, tells, you know, is talking to Ryan about he has to leave. He has to, you know, kind of go off in his own way. And that splinters the group even more. That uh, that scene really stuck out to me as well. So mm-hmm. I thought it was just a, it's a really great film in its like um, realism because all those things that just make it seem like, oh, this is an awkward uh, group of kids trying to make a movie. It actually, like, it makes it, it just becomes that it's like, Oh, it's all those things I thought like were strange actually makes it just even more real. <laughs> so that's what I really liked about it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, you go, just going back slightly to the camera work. Um, one of the things I really liked about this film was that they often were using these long static scenes because they were like putting the camera down and then almost forgetting like it was there and then having like a conversation on a sofa or in a car or something. And, for me, it felt like this sort of almost fly on the wall aspect that really, really works. And I did get that sort of sense of drama and, but it found like found footage at this point that it was like, Oh, it's almost like someone pieced this together later, discovering all this stuff that had been done. And I thought the scenes really were able to um, unfold because they let the camera just sit there for so long. And I actually really enjoyed that aspect to it, which I didn't think I would. Yeah. I really yeah. liked that. I think once you get you get used to that and you think, right, okay, I know what, where we're going here. I know what they're doing. Mm. Um, you, you sense that you're eavesdropping in, into a conversation and it becomes a bit more intimate that way. But as I say, the story really takes off when, when Pauline and Ryan get, get together. But I think the camera work is mm. part of the reason why the film works as well as it does. 
that it does feel spontaneous. You feel like you're, you've got that sort of sense of intimacy with the characters, mm. um, which, which I think is the purpose. I think so it works in that way. Absolutely. I, I, I actually was so surprised how much I liked it. I must say when it first started, I thought, I'm not sure I can sit through an hour and a half of this. Like it's just clips, it's video clips of them having fun on summer, but then it really yeah. kind of worked. It, it really gelled um, as, as it sort of, as, uh, as you were saying, Corey, yeah, as you, the further you got into it, you're just so invested in it. It's like, yeah, really wanted to see the end. And also I think that's the key to, to good filmmaking is that they make you care about the characters. It's one of my hobby horses with any film that if you, you've got to make, make people care about the characters and you do, you do care about them. You do want want things to work out for them. You do want them to find some kind of resolution. Um, so that's that's also good good storytelling and well constructed characters. Absolutely. Um, any more thoughts on this one before we move on? Um, I just want to like re- reiterate the talk about the static shots um, mm. being really effective. There's one towards the end of like the a pivotal scene between the. PJ character and the Pauline character, which is just because that static shot mm. when it holds, my the hairs on the back of my neck went up. I was like, oh, something's <laughs> gonna happen. Mm. The thing that yeah. I thought was gonna happen did happen. It's just it's really great. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, like the the their use of the like screen life and found footage camera work um, just gets better as it goes on because you just get more invested in their. Um, uh, just, just like the, the way they do their kind of world building uh, visually. So yeah, like uh, I agree with a lot of the points uh, said about the film. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, we're going to move on to Mickey Hardaway, um, which is directed by Marcellus Cox, and it's only fair if I go to Corey for yep. the plot on this one. Uh, over to you, Corey. So uh, Mickey Hardaway is a story of um, uh, our main character, Mickey, who's a a artist he's a he's a high school student who dreams of being an artist but as a an overbearing uh father doesn't believe in his um skills as an artist doesn't think it's a the right track to go down and it's that kind of classic story of kid who wants to dream of a better life but can't because of his circumstance and the the film's kind of structured in these three interactions an interaction with a bully an interaction with his father and an interaction with a counselor slash therapist. And it's about Mickey's um, uh, kind of like desire for what he wants his life to be. Um, and it's a really, a really affecting drama. And um, I think I, I think I um, saw an interview with the filmmaker, Mar- what's his name again? It's uh, Marcel Ellis Cox, yeah. where he says it's like, this is like intended to possibly be a feature. Um, mm. And it, it really, I think it does have the, the length to go the whole way because there's just some really um intimate filmmaking here some really great performances um and when i say like it feels like a classic story it doesn't feel like tired it does it does feel emotionally fresh um and i really enjoyed it (laughs) yeah i really like this movie uh i so Tarrell baker had reviewed it on our site um a while back and he gave it five stars so obviously already had sort of piqued my interest i then interviewed uh marcellus cox a little bit later about it and i watched it before i did the interview and was just blown away by it and i really enjoyed that um you know the the three separate uh, angles that they were coming at mickey's life from and i think i remember talking to cox about this and saying that yeah it, it would definitely stretch further there's so much more here that you could unearth i think a feature would be really good but also it does work as a short it does kind of it does be, it definitely yeah. it, it's it's a sorry uh, but like um when i was mentioning the feature thing it's like it, it does work as its own short but it just feels like it's brimming with so much detail and passion mm. that like yeah. he uh he definitely could take it the whole way uh into a feature and i think it could be brilliant absolutely uh brian what do you think of this one yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a lovely looking film. You know, it's very visually stunning, so well put together. And I always like any film in black and white because the contours are so, so sharp. But I think it's interesting you say that that there is potential for a full feature there because it does, in some ways, it does feel like a taster for a feature film. It does feel like it's a, a very a very long trailer. Uh, mm. I think it's... Um, they 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 pack lots of detail into a short feature. You know, you've got to make your points very early 
in a short film. And you, you feel empathy straight away with Mickey, um, who has this talent and this ability, but an abusive father that doesn't appreciate what he has and is very bitter and twisted and doesn't want him to succeed. Even his own peers don't appear to support him. Um, and the interactions with the, um, the psychiatrist, the therapist, were also very engaging as well. Um, so you, you have these very sharp, brief interactions between Mickey and principals in the story uh, that work, work really well. I, I would love to see a full feature on this. I think it's got huge potential. It really has. But a, a very nice piece. But I just love the visuals. The visuals look great. Mm. They really do. So, yeah, I think it's definitely one to watch. And the director, Marcellus Cox, is definitely one to watch as well. You get the feeling that, he, you know, that his car's marked, that he's there's someone with real potential that's going somewhere. What do you yeah, guys think like, about... Sorry, go, Corey. You go. Uh, so I just wanted to add on to his, um, Brian's comments on the visuals. Like that scene that scene in the middle of the film with the father like how he's the way they frame it and like the venetian blinds the way the light comes through it's really really striking and like mm. yeah it's just it's the way they can just take um the way they are able to take just like those kind of simple shots of like okay we're in a living room but just still kind of give it that um visual flair to not make it just seem standard it's like that's what really makes mickey hardaway stand out is that like they just kind of take these what should what 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 we would usually see is like simple scenes but just kind of add that extra thing that makes it stand out mm -hmm. and also i think the actor that plays mickey has got real real sort of presence as well um he, he does stand out and he he makes the story work and you know doesn't necessarily need a script to convey a feeling or an emotion uh, so I, I think the the actors involved are very good as well. So it's it's something that's very impressive. And I'm always impressed by short films in so far that you, you get those points across very quickly and the visuals are very strong and it manages to tell that narrative in a short space of time. I think this was 15 minutes, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, ish, well, 19-ish, yeah. So it's not a lot of time when you think about it to to get those points across and tell a story that's complete enough for you to draw a con conclusion. But I, I think it, I think it's very good. Very good. Very, very nice film and looks great. I like films that look good. Hmm. Um, <laughs> One thing we're not, I'm not sure if anyone's touched on this. Um, the fact that it was black and white, um, that hmm. that in itself is obviously whenever a filmmaker does that, I'm always like, okay, why, why have you done it in black and white? Because, you know, there must be a reason there must be. Yeah. And I think, you know, with this, that they are you know, going into some heavy themes to do with race and identity and things like that. Uh, and as you guys have picked out, you know, it is a visually striking film. And I think the black and white really does emphasize the, the tone of the film really well. Uh, what did you guys think about the, the black and white? Yeah, I, I loved it. I love black and white films anyway, I think. The, the contours are so sharp that you get in a black and white feature. And I, I think because of the, the subject matter as well, it kind of gives you that visual sort of depiction of the events that are taking place. Mm. And that it, that it is a, a black guy trying to make his way in the world, trying to be accepted uh, by those that he's closest to and by his peers as well. And I think the the fact that it is in black and white, sometimes, if that had been in colour, I seriously think if that film had been, been in colour, it wouldn't have had quite as much impact on us. Because I think with, with colour film, it's very easy on the eye and doesn't make you focus quite as much. That's always my, my belief. So whilst there are very few films, relatively few, few films made in black and white, the ones that are made in black and white are very effective because of that, I think. Enough, yeah, I, I I love the black and white cinematography. Um, it didn't feel like um, it was shot in color and then like changed in post. It looked like you know they they planned black and white to be the color palette. You know, especially in the shots I mentioned before, like it it's, it, it it definitely feels like a, a thematic choice, mm. and it works it works very effectively. Um, the points you guys bring up on you know what it could mean, I agree with completely, and it's. Yeah, it, it, it just, yeah, it makes it striking. It makes it memorable. Um, and uh, I was trying to, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm rambling. 
<laughs> we like a bit of a ramble. We like a bit of a ramble. Well, no, I was, I, I was just checking. I'm just going through my notes, but I'm, I'm like, yeah. I wrote down, you know, uh, the dynamic between Mickey and his father reminded me of um, Fences. Like, uh, the, ah, the, yeah. The, I the, love yeah. Fences. Oh, Fences know, was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the play yeah. by uh, August uh, Wilson, I believe, but like yeah. recently adapted as the Denzel Washington yeah. film. And, That's right. And Viola like, Davis. I, Viola, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I was also thinking of, have you guys seen Boys in the Hood? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Like yeah, the, ju- the the father in this is the exact opposite of Lord yeah. Fishburne's character, but it's like if young um, African American males, like you know they uh, they you know you kind of ha- you have to get out of that where you come from, uh, yeah. like that, or like you know it could end very badly for you. Like it's you know the Poison Hood was made thirty years ago. Um, and this was made now but like some of those things do come across (laughs) i think i think you're right Corey. i think marcellus cox's influences are very clear there you can see them i think boys in the hood i think the two films you pick boys in the hood and fences are very reminiscent of the styling that comes through in that film so you you can see where his influences are but then again you know everyone is influenced by somebody else and that's fine provided that you're being influenced by somebody that's good you know (laughs) And why not be influenced by John Singleton, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, no, like, yeah. Uh, this film definitely has its own voice. Oh, yeah, but, it does, um, yeah. And I just wanted to say, like, you know, but the fact that those were, these are thing, uh, these are films that were, I was thinking about as I was watching it is a compliment. It's just like this. Hey, I thought yeah. it was as good as this, as good yeah, as no, in the Hood. Yeah, it I brought think, across that same emotion. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Corey. I, I think you've nailed it there. I think you can see where his influences lie. And I think one of the joys of being a, a film reviewer is that you can trace the symmetry and the, the development and the connection between films that have come before. And I, I think that's really, really clear. And it's a good good spot, I think. Fantastic. We've managed to uh, bring in John Singleton into this. So I'm very yeah. happy that we're you know, reaching that caliber. Um, yeah. Let's move on to Occupied, which was the next uh, film on the best drama. Um, I'll give this one a go on the old synopsis. So it takes place in Guernsey. Uh, it's a period piece um, during the Nazi occupation. And um, there's a bombing that takes place where one of the characters loses her husband. And it's then how she navigates life in this uh, Nazi-occupied world. Um, I I really enjoyed the scale of this film. It's a short, but my God, does it go to the the lengths <laughs> that you know, very few filmmakers would try and do within a twenty-minute runtime? Yeah, um, <laughs> I thought it, you know, that was definitely one of its strengths. The the use of the actual location was brilliant. Um, it really reminded me of that one uh, that was set on Guernsey not long ago with the, I always forget, it's got a crazy sort of name, the potato. Oh, oh, I know, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. the Guernsey yeah. potato peel pie. Yeah. 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 Um, a good film, good film actually. Which actually, yeah, it was, it was a really enjoyable film. Um, mm. And it reminded me of that obviously because of the location and because of the, the characters. But um, yeah, I thought it was a, a really powerful film, an interesting story. I I did feel unfortunately was let down by some of the supporting performances. There was some sort of quite wooden dialogue um, and performances mm-hmm. in this one. But um, uh, Corey, what did you think of Occupied? I was um, like you, uh, I'll, like you said, I was very impressed by the scale they go for. Um, the The opening of the film, uh, they they really tr- they they use every trick in the book to mm. uh, bring across the visual of an attack, uh, an, uh, you know, an, att- an, an air attack. And I was just, I was really, I was like, wow, it, you know, like we can't, you know, we don't see all the pieces, but what they do with what they have is great. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, for, if you're like a, if you're someone who's just getting into like short filmmaking, trying to figure out what you can do, it's like, I'd, you know, watch this, you can do a lot with very little. Um, yeah, but yeah, but, uh, the locations in this film were incredible. Like, there's a sequence on a beach halfway through, which my jaw dropped. It was gorgeous. Just a guy walking across, like, um, the sand, but, like, through these rocks. And I was like, this is really, really nice. Um, but um, it, it kind of it, it felt underwhelming at the end. I, I wasn't a huge fan of how the film concludes with its mm-hmm. kind of ideological arguments, the character arcs. But... Um, that isn't to say the film doesn't have its uh, good moments. Uh, so yeah, I was start strong. I think it kind of falters towards the end. <laughs> Brian, what about you? Yeah, I mean, pretty much what you guys have just said, really. I, I think the 
Guernsey as a location hasn't been used nearly often enough when they portray a story of the only part of Britain that was occupied during the Second World War. It's always, usually it's always going to be Jersey, but Guernsey is becoming, it's becoming featured a lot more often. I think it was ambitious. What they were trying to fit in to 21 Minutes was very ambitious. And parts of it worked really well. But I, I think somehow it did tail off a bit. And I think the, it all kind of boiled down. What they were trying to do was corner a point where um, the, the widowed young woman were, befriended the German serviceman. And they had a conversation about war in general, right? And it, they were trying to sort of introduce an intellectual debate about war and that everyone suffers in the end, that there are no winners. Mm. And it, it's trying to simplify a very complex subject in a very short space of time. And it, de- it denied it a proper ending, I think. And I think because it was so ambitious, I think the director was on a bit of a loser, really. Even though bits of it were good, and I admire their ambition in trying to tell a reasonably complex story in a limited amount of time. But bits of it were very good, but I think it it kind of did fall flat a bit in places. And I, I think they tried to sort of introduce a hint of intellectualism that didn't quite work for me. But aside from that, it was a good effort, though. I, very I mean... watchable. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it felt like the kind of film you'd see on a Sunday afternoon that you would thoroughly just you know immerse yourself in. Um, mm. Alex Bates was the, the writer and director. And I think, you know, ah. I think he lives in the Guernsey area. I think that maybe that's where the sort of passion to tell this story comes from. Um, but yeah. I, I definitely agree with you. I think that, I don't know, maybe it needed longer. Maybe it needed a bit more stretching out. But there's definitely something that might slightly lacking by the time I finished it I did want to give a massive shout out to Sapphire Brewer Marchant who plays Carolyn which is the main character because I yes. think her performance was yeah phenomenal. she was good she was, very she was good, really yeah. good considering the supporting cast I, I did find to be underwhelming hers was actually really good really strong um what did you think of her performance Corey uh, she's a big part of what makes the opening so uh impactful like her kind of trying to uh run down to that area and like being stopped by her friend and she's just you know desperate trying to see her husband one last time like mm. it 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 adds that uh extra emotional layer but um yeah no like e- even though i feel the writing falters like in the in the final minutes of the film when they try and have the 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 intellectual arguments you know she she gives it her all um there's and and yeah so like that that performance really um anchors the film in its in its strongest moments and its weakest moments it's a very consistent uh uh sorry very consistent performance and yeah she she does a wonderful job fantastic um mm. okay we're going to move on now to another short and the last one within the best drama category which was Christopher Key's Within now I actually chatted about this film with Jason on the other episode because it was submitted into one of the categories there. Um, so I will hand over to Brian uh, to give mm-hmm. us the uh, synopsis on this one. Okay then. So within seven minutes, 15 seconds, you know, you think about what you can do in seven minutes, 15 seconds. It's barely enough time to cook a ready meal in a, in a microwave oven. <laughs> but what, what they achieve with this film I think it's absolutely outstanding. This is a story of a grieving man trying to explain what happened to his daughter when they were on holiday. And it introduces very sort of subtle passages as he tells the story. And it doesn't become absolutely clear why these images are being introduced until the very end. But it's a fantastic piece of filmmaking because... I think the character's called Michael. Yeah, it's Michael, isn't it? Michael, Julian, and Emily on holiday. And uh, Michael finds resolution because of what happened as a result of his daughter's death. And that ultimately, his daughter's death allowed somebody else to live. And I think this scene with the stethoscope, which I didn't get, first of all. And then you think, boom, I get it now. I get it now. And it's so cleverly done. And it's... It's kind of, in the very final frames, you think, where's this going? And to be able to tell such a self-contained story in such a short space of time, again, this is, this is what I, 
what I always home in on on a short feature is that, you know, what's it about? What points is it trying to make? Where, where's the payoff? You know, is the narrative really end to end? Is there enough there for you to draw a conclusion? I think it's a fantastic piece of filmmaking. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, Corey. Uh, I agree. This film's a knockout. Um, <laughs> the 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 lead performance by uh, Neil Hobbs uh, is captivating. It's incredible. It's emotional. Um, it, he's he's got you from the first frame to the last. Um, and yeah, the the ending is for for, for me. I, I yeah didn't see it coming when it showed up hit me like a truck in, in a good way um <laughs> and it was it was really really emotional and without like without revealing what it is um i kind of did some research i looked up similar situations as that similar reunions and they really do capture that um in, intensity of, of of what people actually go through just from like clips i could find it was like wow they really do nail just kind of the power of that moment um and yeah it's a really beautiful film which uses every second uh to its absolute best <laughs> like it's it's not a wasted moment <laughs> yeah i i mean i agree with both you guys and as i said to jason this just was such a powerful uh, massively moving film um really was uh, such a surprise as well again i was questioning the the format much like um i'll never forget my high school friends i was thinking oh it's, this is holiday footage being cut across an interview is this working for me I'm, i wasn't quite sure and then yeah it does just hit you like a ton of bricks and you suddenly just realize that you're absolutely captivated as you know, as brian said within the, the time it takes to microwave some mac and cheese it was uh oh my god this is that was so emotional and I'm absolutely left stunned in such a short space time. And that is only because it's great filmmaking, really, really good filmmaking. And also I think Christopher Key, it's the type of director, a bit like Marcellus Cox. You think, God, we've got to keep an eye on him because mm. <laughs> if he's capable of doing something like this, uh, you think, God, there's no end to what he can achieve on a, on a full feature. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, really, really good. Um, and, definitely uh, really um planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Tender there. Um, we're going to reveal the winners of the categories at the end of the podcast. I can hear the listeners groan now already. Um, mm. But we just want you to make sure you listen to the whole thing. That's basically mm. why I'm doing that. Um, mm. So we're going to move on to best feature now. And um, we've got two best feature uh, nominees which the first is Be Good or Be Gone, directed by Kathleen Nally. And um, yeah, I'm going to let Corey take this one if he wants to uh, give us the plot. Okay, so uh, 
Be Good or Be Gone is a it's a it's a crime drama. It's uh, two two men are released from prison. They're looking to uh sorry my cat's meowing. <laughs> <laughs> She's upset because uh, you know, I didn't announce the winner. She's like, tell us the winner. <laughs> yeah, anticipation. Let me just grab it real quick. Oh yeah, so sorry. Uh, be good or be gone is a crime drama. Uh, two two friends are released from prison, and they are looking to kind of put their lives back together. Our main character, uh, Stee, played by Les Martin. He's kind of hoping to reconnect with his daughter, uh, go on, get on the straight and narrow and, you know, amend the, the life he broke. And then, you know, in the usual fashion, uh, old acquaintances, old, old, uh, old feuds, uh, resurface and our two characters, uh, have to kind of navigate their way through it. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Great synopsis there. And um, I wasn't just before we get into the film. Were they released from prison, or was it like a weekend release? Because they, they, they had a four-day release, I think. Four didn't days, they? It was. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I, yeah the, with that during the film, they were like, "Oh, you're out of prison." Then I was like, mm. "I'm pretty sure they said they got to be back yeah. in like four days." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the way the the way the story operates, even though it's like it's a it seems like a short release, it they're kind of doing the the classic like, "Oh, they're out. They've got to like." you know um you know like i'm it's like the sorry um it's like the typical kind of i'm out of prison i'm i want to go straight and narrow but the usual bad things happen when they and then yeah like when when it kind of reminds you that they're going back to prison it's like oh that's it it it, it makes it a little weird but um you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah so i really like this film um i found it really gritty but also really emotional it wasn't like a film that was like, oh, it's like hard nuts that are out of prison and oh my God, aren't they up to loads of gangster stuff? It was like, there was an element of that, but it was so much more grounded in the central character's um, situation. He was trying to go clean for his daughter and his um, his ex. And I think that the way that that story was presented really worked for me. I just found it so convincing and immersive i was really really into it brian were you into this one yeah very much so i love this i think it's as you say gritty is a good word it's real it's the word we always use in film reviews it's authentic it's believable doesn't pull any punches i think the characters are hugely likable i think um steve and weed they're cousins they come out on a four-day release and Steve wants wants to get his life back in order. He wants to go straight. He wants to marry his girlfriend. He wants to get to know their daughter. But he's not being allowed to pursue that life because others want him to carry on where he left off. And Weed, I, I think it is it's hilarious at times because he's he's nowhere near Steve in that way because he just he's just looking for the next fix. And he doesn't mind how he, how he gets it. So there's that kind of really almost comical friction between the two of them. And I think because, what's great about him, though, is he's more calamitous than he is kind of, like, problematic. Like, yeah. it's almost like he's like, oh, no, he hasn't done that. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's, you feel sorry for him, even though he makes yeah. all these really bad decisions. And you kind of yeah. you do sympathise with Steve going, oh, oh, you're bless you, you got put up with that. But it wasn't, I, I love their dynamic. I thought those yeah. two together were brilliant. I think there were, yeah, I think the thing is, and there's an affection between the characters as well, because you put yourself in Steve's shoes, you think, why doesn't he just dump weed? Because he, he's just holding him back. He's just pulling him back into the old life again. But because, partly because they're related, and partly because they like each other, and they depend on each other, um, that that relationship endures. And that's always good to see that. I, one thing that struck me about the film, though, was that, again, Talking about influences being present in, in a film, the storyline reminded me of Carlito's way up to a point where Carlito was basically in the same position. Wants to go straight, wants to be honest, he's retired, he wants to get out of the game, but nobody can understand why he wants to do that. And Steve is in that position as well. Um, so I, I think it, it pulls on the threads of a great storyline anyway. Um, and I think there are some great characters in the film. I, I love John the Baptist, the, <laughs> yeah. local, the local dealer. I think he's he's brilliant as well. So there's so much there to admire in a film like that. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it really should be a big hit. 
a film like that. It really should. I actually, I, when I was watching it, I was like, this feels like the kind of film that would normally be on like a Channel Four or Film Four yeah. kind of film. Yeah, it, it, it had that like British or you know sort of um, and it's an Irish film. But it, it kind of was like, yeah, I can imagine this being the kitchen sink kind of dramas or the the, you know, the gritty um, stories of real yeah. people, as you said, the authentic tales of of people that are you know subjected to poverty and and what happens when that kind of runs rife. It really worked for me, really did. Um, Corey, what did you think about this one? Um, I kind of have the opposite feeling on oh, it. Um, yeah, um, I found like I, I there are elements of it which I do like. The dynamic between uh, the two leads works. There's a great little scene where I just like whenever I kind of just have them riffing off one another, um, you can just tell by having a lot of fun, uh, you know, working together. And those other parts I like. There's a there's a character played by Art Kearns, the kind of that thug at the beginning at the end, uh, beginning and at the end of the film. Uh, I really liked his character. He was kind of a fun little antagonist they threw in there. Um, yeah. But for the most part, I just felt it was very, it just was kind of just going by the numbers. It, it was, it felt cliche at a lot of points. Although there was a moment in the latter half of the film involving some really impressive makeup, which brought me like right back in, but wasn't enough to change my mind. Um, so, so it, it has, it, it did have moments where I was like, okay, I like this, but overall it just, it felt like, it, it just felt like I've seen this before and it uh, was familiar. I like I'd agree that it, obviously Brian picked up Carlito's way. And I think there are a lot of films where you get this kind of released from prison, trying to go mm-hmm. on the straight and narrow uh, schlep. And I think it does have that. Um, but I, for me, it just worked. And like I said, I think that was because of the emotional narrative that they explored. Um, I just got brought into that. And I, I think the dynamic between the two central characters was great. Um, but yeah, I can see where you know someone could watch that film and easily go, "Oh, I've seen this. <laughs> I've seen this." Somewhere yeah, like else. it, it's 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 put together very well. Like um, they they don't slouch on uh, on on the filmmaking or the acting, but it's just like I've in terms of like a a, a personal response to it. Like I just like it didn't reach me. Um, mm. But the fact that it reached you two is great. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I guess because that's what makes. <clears throat> film grade is like we all have different reactions to it <laughs> yeah i guess really really though is whether you feel familiarity with the storyline is a drawback in a film um because it's like the old adage isn't it there? there are only seven plots for a for a story mm. or eight plots we all know know that's how don't we of yeah. eight plots for a story um and I, I think it's a question of whichever one you pick on it's how how you film it and how you portray it and as I say, if it, if it feels too familiar, it takes the punch out of the story for you. So it's a question of how you, you project it and put it across, and it's what you get from it. And Corey, for you, it was probably too familiar and too perhaps too predictable in that way. But I think it's the way it gets you, isn't it? It's the way the characters get you. Yeah. Like, like I said, there's a, like, there's a moment towards the end of the film where I, wasn't, I didn't see that coming. I was like, okay, like that's, that's, that felt new. Um, do you know what moment I'm talking about? With, um, with, with the makeup, <laughs> he, like he comes, he comes back to the apartment. He sees weed looking in the in the mirror. Oh and, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I yeah, did not yeah. see that coming. <laughs> yeah, um, that was new. Yeah, um, that was a, that kind of wakes you. I mean, the thing is, Corey, for someone like yourself who was main, possibly losing the thread thread of the film a yeah. little bit, that did would have brought you back in because it gives you a jolt, mm-hmm. doesn't it? I think. What, yeah, no, it definitely jolted me, even though. Yeah. This, with we proceeding was still quite shocking yeah um it still felt like like the uh, you know it's like okay we're doing this but then like i haven't seen that then followed by that so like okay oh wow uh these villains mean business um yeah it got quite dark <laughs> there was some really did. dark bits in the film that yeah I, it, it it does get dark <laughs> and i like that they didn't shy away too much there was because there is always the when we watch crime films, there's such a fear that they are going to be sort of pulling their punches because maybe they don't have the budget to make it look good, or maybe they just don't have the confidence to, to really go for it. And, you know, if you're looking at trying to make something look violent and trying mm. to make people look scary, it is you know intimidating because you're going up against some heavy hitters in the gangster or crime genres. That, yeah. um, but I did that like that they compliment. Yeah. So that is a compliment to the director that, you know, you can get your actors um, in a space comfortable enough to kind of do scenes like that Absolutely. Um, and have them be effective. Um, 
so yeah like yeah so you know there's, <laughs> there's lots of yeah. good things to say about the film but yeah it just when it like when it when it finished it's like uh, i just wasn't it wasn't for me <laughs> it's fair enough Fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. Um, we're going to yeah. move on to one that hopefully was for you, Corey. Not that the whole festival was just for you, but, you know. The second really? uh, feature film that was uh, was entered was Dogwood, um, directed by Steve Sale. And um, it starred Joe Newton uh, as this kind of office worker with your typical well, not nine to five lifestyle, kind of like a nine to midnight lifestyle of just work and, you know, living off takeaways and answering the phone and barely living a life, just doing a job and trying to survive in, in the city who decides to just up sticks and go and live in the woods basically. And, um, you know, tries to throw off the shackles of modern life. Um, Brian, what did you think of this one? Ah, oh, well, you know, I really wasn't sure about this. I mean, it had its moments, you know, you, it's a, it's a kind of, it's quite, it's quite a compelling storyline, you know, like a 30 something man who's bored and frustrated by a mundane existence, exploited by his employer. He feels he doesn't fit in anywhere. He's a misfit. So what does he do? You know, he rejects conventional life and he becomes a poet as you do. And you go and live in, live off the land and you live in the woods. <laughs> Like you do. Um, I, th- I think it has its moments, but, you know, I'm th- with the voice, they were, do- they were doing quite a sardonic voiceover on the film, and it reminded me of Little Britain slightly. I don't know about you. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a- I hadn't thought of it, and now you've said it, I'm like... But, <laughs> but because of that, because of that, whether that was deliberate or, or accidental, I don't know, but because of that, I just felt that it couldn't make up its mind whether it was a drama or, or a comedy, um, and you do you do think right? Is this trying to be Little Britain or League of Gentlemen, or what's it trying to be? But it's a very interesting idea, and I think the poetry, uh, which was by Alex Caird, I thought was brilliant. The poetry was beautiful, beautifully delivered, brilliantly constructed. But the story itself didn't really hang together because I couldn't really see where it was going. And when the 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 Polish guy came into it. Was he Polish or Czech? Yeah, I think it was uh, Polish. Polish. Yeah, Polish. I couldn't, I couldn't see why he came into it. And when he left the plot, I couldn't see why he'd gone. Or, and, you know, it was that type of thing. And you, you keep on thinking to yourself, wait a minute, why was he there? Right? And you think they're just, they're just using up oxygen. They're just filling up airtime. And right, <laughs> I agree. You're getting worked up, mate. You need to calm down. <laughs> well, yeah, but you see, the thing is, they got a great idea that they didn't really unpack properly, mm. although. As I say, I think it had its moments, but not probably one of the, the strongest that we saw in this festival, I don't think. Fair enough. Uh, Corey, what about you? Um, I was in, the film's interesting. I'm not, uh, the, the way it kind of concludes, I thought was a little strange. Because, yeah, like, uh, agreeing with Brian's point, like, feature length, it, it, it does the feature length, but, like, it also just feels like, what, what exactly are we doing here? Because, um, it is a guy living in the woods and yeah. Uh, but what w- your point about the narration, I saw it on like a, like a nature documentary, like, you know, mm-hmm. what the, like we're observing this yeah. behavior and it, I wouldn't say like, you know, the voice, I don't know if the voice was supposed to sound like David Attenborough or something like that, but I just kept thinking of like, uh, clothes, could be. like, yeah. like planet earth, that kind of thing. It's like, here's yeah. the man washing his clothes in yeah. the river. Um, yeah. But uh, I was thinking of, have you guys seen into the wild? the Sean Penn film. About... You know what, I'm so glad you said it. I had that in my notes. It was, yeah, I, the, the story of, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The story of Christopher McCandless, who very similar, you know, a young man who went off to go live in the wild and, uh, no spoilers for, for, into, if you haven't seen into the wild, go see it. It's a incredible film, incredible Amazing story, film, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's a similar case of a, of a man who wants to reject society and kind of rediscover what it means to be alive. But, um, yeah, so dogwood is, yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting film because I'm not the biggest fan of the whole like loner rejects society angle, um, especially like even though I understand his life's monotonous, like it's you know he's got a job, he's got an apartment, it's not that bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it could be worse, couldn't it? It could be worse. There's, there's I feel like there's better steps to take than live in the woods, <laughs> but um, you know like hobbies, you know good go to the gym <laughs> um but no like what what they do do in the film 
is interesting. Like you are watching kind of a guy have a mental breakdown um, and then find some form of inner peace, I guess. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, the, the points you guys have raised just ho- totally touch what I felt with the film, which was I felt a little bit infuriated with it in the sense that it seemed like a very drastic reaction to something which we didn't get enough of beforehand to really understand why he would go and do this. Um, I like the narrator's voice. I found that really fun. I thought it was a really good kind of um, juxtaposition to the almost like harsh situation he finds himself yeah. in is you've got this kind of very cultured, refined narration sort of, you know, to balance. Um, and obviously it is, I think it must be meant for comedic value because he's saying lines like, oh, um, oh, it was a right old shithole or something like that. <laughs> like, just something like that. You just think, yeah, he's obviously like having fun with it. But what I absolutely hated was the score. They had these violins throughout oh, the yeah. film. I it got to the point where I was going to mute the film because you didn't necessarily yeah. need the sound on, but I absolutely I couldn't stand yeah. those violins after a while. Yeah. They used a lot of classical pieces, a lot of like mm. the typical classical pieces um, that one would use in a film, like all of them. <laughs> Royalty free stuff, basically. Royalty free, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's very true. I, I think I think Chris, you touched on a, on a good point there, where the the beginning of the story didn't really flesh the character out properly, so you don't really understand fully what his motivation is, because it is a huge step, isn't it? You know, to um, to to reject society and go back to nature, to go back to living on the land the way people used to two three hundred years ago, because the whilst the, the present has its issues. You'd prefer it to the past, wouldn't you, generally? So mm. what really would drive a man to do that? And I don't think there's probably enough explanation given. And it might have made more sense had there been more of the backstory at the beginning. Um, because there were phases of the film that, that one, didn't belong there, didn't add anything to the narrative. And you think, why is this happening? And they could have used that time at the beginning to tell you more about Martin and what was driving him or what was motivating him. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd like to give a shout out to the filmmakers just from a sense of it was ambitious and it was daring. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, like we said about um, Be Good or Be Gone, we've seen that story. I, I, I feel like I have seen this story, but not in this way. Um, you know, it reminded me slightly of The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio ah. where he, he, he runs away from society, but in the, t- in the way this was filmed, it was almost like Castaway. Like, you know, he's kind of just going mm. mental and, and you know, starting to talk to things and has mushrooms and, and goes crazy. And I think that it, we certainly should celebrate the fact that this was an achievement of filmmaking. I just think that the actual execution of the story just didn't really work. Um, yeah. Well, not for me, anyway. I think... I, I think sorry, Corey, off to you. I just wanted to go off your point on the like the way it looked i really liked the cinematography i liked the um i think they had a drone lots of really nice soothing aerial shots of nature um so so even though like it lost me at some points with like story and themes i was like wherever they went to shoot this thing they did a great job it it was colored like the color uh, correction work they did was like the film looked great it was a really well shot film the the whole camera team uh did a great job (laughs) I think I think that you know filmmaking is about being daring, isn't it? It's about doing something different and trying new things out. You know, it's all about innovation. We should never be hemmed in by a formula. You know, so they should be commended for that because it was well put together. But I just think it was a missed opportunity, and it, and it just it lacked that sort of extra bit of quality. But you know, and clarity. But even so. As I say, it's it's all about pushing boundaries and doing something different, and you know. But I, I just don't think it quite came off this time. Well, there's but, a yeah, after you. No, um, no, you can finish your point. I have like a theory I want to read out. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I think I think they deserve credit for that. I, th- I think the fact that that it's it's trying to take. A familiar story. I mean, we've already mentioned films that are reminiscent of Dogwood, but, you know, it was brave enough to try and take it and do something different. But it was it just wasn't quite the finished product for me. Okay, Corey, let's hear this theory. What's, what's going uh, on? <laughs> well, going back, Brian, to your point of, like, what was the point of the Polish uh, guy? Oh, um, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually, I picked, when I watched it, I picked this thing up. I don't 
so I just wanted to read it out. So basically, the uh, the prologue of the film kind of opens up with mentions the Brexit, um, and like you know the uh-huh. and his his opinions on Brexit, and then we have this Polish guy show up halfway through, and uh-huh. it feels like like some kind of political subtext on that you have our our main character whose name I, I've lost. Oh, was, was it Martin? Martin. Martin. Yeah. You've got our main character who's now in this isolationist um, kind of hostile uh, lifestyle who is now being visited by a, a foreigner. And he kind of like it, it just felt like, oh, are they trying to like do some kind of uh, metaphor here for yeah. the dangers of isolationism and, and like what Brexit represents. Oh, now, of course, so that metaphor yeah. gets that that this metaphor theory gets really weird when you consider what happens in the third act when he's visited by more people. (laughs) So I'm not exactly sure what they were trying to do with that. I just wanted to mention, like, I think they were trying to say something bigger there, but then they kind of, they, they, they get into some weird territory with it. (laughs) They, They do. They do. I think that's interesting though, that, you know, there might be something symbolic in a Polish man visiting him. But if that was the case, if, if there was an analogy with the EU, Mm. Um, and Brexit, you know, it might have been an idea if that Polish guy was French instead or German. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's just something I picked up. I I mean, I'll I'll back you up on it here, Corey, just because of the fact that on um, our information we have from the director, he had said that he was grappling with things such as uh, Brexit, but also mental health, environmental issues. So Mm. I, I think that and he even admits, uh, Steve Sell, that he admits that th- it was, this was kind of shaped even in the edit, that it maybe didn't know which direction the film was meant to be going. And yeah. obviously, in some ways, that's quite telling, you know, that modern man or woman is faced with so many of these kind of things going on in our lives that it can be very difficult to juggle them all um, mentally and you know, trying to keep a a normal job and a normal life and a good balance is so difficult with all these things spiraling around. Um, but from a film point of view, you know, it's obviously quite clear that maybe it was a bit too jumbled, not quite coherent enough to work here. Um, but maybe, yeah, maybe no. numerous visits is worth. I don't, I'm not sure, but um, I definitely think that, you know, the fact that it's been mentioned here is, is fact enough that it was part of the the filmmaking, but Maybe it just wasn't quite um, lucid. Yeah, because like you mentioned before, like the Martin characters kind of they cut to lots of like things that he's like you know environmentalism does pop up uh, like two or three times, kind of like the, the protests on I think fracking was one of them, or uh, yeah. mm. and so there's a lot of he's a character who's upset with a lot of things about society, but they just how exactly they want to thread that through the film mm. isn't exactly clear, and that's what I mean with like that the idea of that possible political subtext just kind of getting completely it just spins out of control with what happens in the third act like okay whatever the metaphor was supposed to be i don't think it is what it, i thought it was now because of what's happened <laughs> it's, yeah. it's 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 a lot <laughs> hmm. I th- I th- yeah i think that's really interesting actually now i'm beginning to think of it in a different way now i've heard that and that's, that's the power that's, of it. Yeah, it's the power yeah. of the film and power of the actually a lot of what we've watched. When I've actually spent time talking to other people about the films, it's been so great hearing other feedback and other um, opinions because you know it's just the beauty of it. And both both features were amazing. I must say, I, I thought they were brilliantly well made films. I was so glad when they were entered. Um, I mean, I think it's um, they're very different films. They're catered to very different audiences. Um, but both brilliantly made, um, but there can only be one winner, and you know where mm-hmm. I'm going with this. So um, I'm going to move on to the winners of each category now. Um, I don't have a drum to do drum rolls oh. or anything like that, so um, if you can just imagine one, it would be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay. best drama film um, goes to, and that is a proper pause, the podcast mm-hmm. hasn't finished, uh, it goes to within uh, within one best yeah. drama. Uh, Excellent. I think you know from our reviews, guys, you can kind of tell that we're all on a very similar page with this film. You know, absolutely blown away by it. Um, do you think it's a deserving winner, Corey? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> Brian. Um, yeah, I'll, absolutely. No question. It, all it deserves films, to win. All the films in the category were great, but uh, mm. you know, w- within uh, yeah, you don't forget that one. It's it's amazing. 
but con- you know, congratulations to all the mm. filmmakers and films that were in the competition. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. A really great category, actually, and you know they're all very, very strong. And um, I do hope that people are able to check out these films if they didn't get to see them at the festival, that they see them elsewhere, because not always do these films find a home um, online. And yeah, I hope that even just us guys talking about it and us showing them on the festival may have, you know, put some lights on them, you know, shone a light, and hopefully someone will see these films because they're all really worth watching um, mm. and all very different. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, we're moving on to best feature, and the winner is Be Good or Be Gone. Um, again, I think potentially pretty clear from our reviews, but we've had other people um, judging and, and critiquing the films. Um, it was fairly close between these two, but yeah, Be Good or Be Gone actually was the winner of best feature at this year's awards. Uh, what do you think about that, Brian? Well, I'm glad. I'm pleased. I mean, it's it's what I was hoping for. Um, you know, certain films touch a chord with me, and a film might be good or be gone. It's more likely to hit the spot with me than a film like Dogwood, even though they were both very good. They were both very good features, and they were very well put together. But I just think at the end of the day, I think be good or be gone just worked better, which is more effective within its particular genre and the story that it's aiming to tell. But they're both very good films, but I'm glad I'm glad Be Good to Be Gone, wasn't it? Fantastic. And um, Corey, how about you? I mean, you, it wasn't for you, but you know, can you no, see uh, that? Congratulations no. to Be Good or Be Gone and the, and the filmmakers. Um, I, I, there, are, there are things I do like about the film. Um, and yeah, it's always, it's, I, I will probably, if I can, rewatch it with a, kind of a new insights from you, from you guys and see if I can mm see anything differently because that's that's one of my favorite things about films is that i can rewatch them and see something different um i've been i, I always keep telling my friends like rewatch films you didn't like the first time mm. uh like sometime later you will like that like you'll probably like them again like it's happened to mm. me uh it happens to me all the time <laughs> and, and sometimes a film will grow on you as well yeah. you know yeah. it i mean you can see a film once and th- you know pick it apart but then you see it again, you think, oh, actually, I, I never spotted that part uh, in the, the first time around. So I think there's always that side of it as well. They can grow on you. You're not one of my um, absolute sins is that the first time I watched uh, There Will Be Blood, I absolutely hated it. I oh. really hated that film. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I only rewatched it because a good friend of mine who I very much value his opinion said, no, 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 you go watch it again. Go watch it again. <laughs> and I Bad. did. And I was like, oh, Thank goodness I rewatched this. I love this film. (laughs) That happened to me recently with Dune. Uh, I saw Dune for the first time, and it was just so overwhelming that I just Mm. I wasn't I just like I don't know if I like that. (laughs) I don't know what that is. And I saw it again like two days later uh, at a more reasonable time, and yeah, I I loved it. So yeah, like you know, it's it could be two days, it could be two years. uh, I think I think also change. (laughs) Yeah, I think also sometimes that films that are hyped to such a degree, this is probably my own perception but a film that's hyped to such a degree it kind of passes you by the first time because this just it's just hyped up too much and i feel disappointed by it when i see it the first time but you know i think there's that side of it as well yeah Um, and also like what what mood like you're saying there Corey, what mood you're physically in sometimes you need to be aware of what mood you're in when you're watching a film mm. because if you're distracted or if you're upset about something or if you're you know not in (laughs) the right frame of mind (laughs) (laughs) which is difficult for me because i'm tired all the time so when i'm watching films i do have to there's like a little window in the day where i can watch a film where i'm not (laughs) half asleep um but yeah, um, as we said, both very good features and you know, hats off to all the filmmakers involved. I just want to say, um, I want to take this time as well, just say another big thank you to everyone who submitted this year. It was a great crop of films, so much fun to actually just go through all of these and, and actually spend time watching them because a lot of them get reviewed on the site, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we all get to watch them. So it was just a great chance to do that. Um, big thank you to my guest, Brian. Thank you, Brian, for joining me pleasure as always thank you Corey, for your first time you did great oh, thank you thank you for having me mm. um obviously next time you must agree with us um mm. don't ever don't ever stray from <laughs> so, the path those are the rules aren't they <laughs> those, those are, are the rules i don't make yeah. them up um but, but i love yeah. that debate guys come on <laughs> <laughs>
this has been uh, the UK Film Review Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And again, congratulations to the winners. We will speak to you again next time. Bye for now. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.